welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is David Markowitz, Director of Product Marketing at Stored, a provider of supply chain services and technology to help brands optimize their supply chain. And David is here to talk about creative uses of video in product marketing, specifically using video to create really cool case studies and to talk about Stored's podcast. So David, welcome. Great to have you here. Thanks, Jeremy. Excited to be here today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us kind of like the 30-second, who is David Markowitz, and how did you end up in your role at Stored? My background is actually sort of an interesting combination of both technology and business. I actually went to school for computer science engineering, did some actual programming and coding a few years out, went back to business school, and decided I really liked more the sort of the business side of the technology world. And since then have worked at a number of, you know, early to mid-stage high growth companies focusing in corporate marketing, product marketing, product management. I've worked primarily in the, you know, kind of B2B enterprise software space across a number of different verticals, anything from sort of financial services to, you know, marketing technology, and most recently now in the supply chain and logistics space. Again, our topic is creative uses of video and product marketing. And you guys have done some really interesting creative work specifically with using video in case studies. And I think the, the reason why I find that topic interesting is that for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, video is just big, 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 right? You know, being marketers are, you know, it's certainly being pushed and there's just a lot of interest in video. There's no one way to use video, right? And I think there's still a lot of discussion around, well, what are some of the best ways to use video, you know, depending on exactly what your goals are and what you're doing. And it seems to me like case studies would provide a pretty good fertile ground for finding ways to use videos to make case studies more interesting. You know, when I think of a case study, it's often like a, something on your website, more print, typically more print. And I'm going to read about the company and their problem and how, how the problem was solved using this technology. But so first of all, why did you guys decide to move away from that more traditional way of doing case studies and more towards incorporating video? Sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, as you said, certainly, you know, case studies have been around forever. And in, in my in my career, I've written, <laughs> you know, t tens, if not, not probably hundreds of case studies in, in, our, in our day. But one of the things that we found, is, as you touched on in the beginning, was, you know, video content is something that people just want to see now. And in addition, we found that particularly as it relates to case studies, that prospects sort of want to hear from customers. It's great that they want to hear, you know, they, they hear from us and we, you know, we, we give our, our spiel about what we do. But at the end of the day, they, you know, prospects want references. They want to hear real customer stories. So we really thought that, hey, why don't we just put some of our, you know, most interesting customers in front of a camera and let them, you know, talk so prospects can really hear from them rather than directly from us, you know, what they like about stored, what works, the benefits that they're seeing. And it was something that we just thought would be a better way to really engage with them. And you thought that because of all the evidence that video can be really engaging and compelling. Right, right. Yeah, no, exactly that. You know, because video content is, is so highly engaging and we just thought it was really a, a better way than, you know, dropping the two to four page PDF where people look, they skim like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, you, you spend a lot of, you know, you spend a lot of time into it. They read it 
and then they they move on and maybe they got something out of it. Whereas like we really felt that if they actually could sort of you know hear hear someone's face, you know, I'm sorry, hear someone's voice, see someone's face, real you know, really get a good feel like okay, this like it's not BS. Like this person is really saying this. They're really believing that because at the end of the day, we can write a case study. Maybe they believe it. Maybe they're not. It's always some maybe it's unclear how much a customer may have had a part of it. Whereas if you're hearing hey, I'm XYZ, let me tell you about what I'm doing. That person's, you know, in a sense, putting their reputation on the line. They're really telling you about how they work with the company and why they liked it. And I think it just makes it that much more compelling, that much more validating, as well as being more interesting. Yeah, okay, so it's more authentic. You're hearing it literally directly from the person in their own voice, as opposed to how the company has interpreted what they might have told you or sort of shaped it. So, okay, okay, so there's a... An authenticity factor is what I'm hearing that can, and it's just an engagement factor. Okay. So I think most people are familiar with the typical, you know, written out case study with a combination of images and, and text. What does a video case study look like? Just kind of give us a brief description of how you put this together and what the final product actually is. With the, the video case studies, at least the ones that, you know, that we have done, uh, I think one thing is that they're much shorter, they're much tighter. We, you know, we want to come out with, again, because same thing with video, people aren't going to watch a 20 minute video deep dive or anything of, of that depth. We want to be able to put together sort of multiple one, two, three minute stories where it's something that somebody can sit down. It's much, you know, it's much more consumable. So what we really try to do is focus on the key things that we think that a prospect would care about. You know, so hitting topics like, you know, what were the problems that they had that drove them, in our case, say, to consider stored? Because we want a potential prospect to say, hey, you know what, those are the same types of problems that I had. So we want to address that. We then want to hear them talk about, you know, what were some of the benefits that they saw? They use stored, whether they use our logistic services, our freight services, our fulfillment services, our software technology to be able to speak to, in a sense, how they use it in their day to day and what's sort of the business impact that they've seen. And then I think one of the more interesting things that you can really do in a, in a video case study that doesn't necessarily always translate into, you know, into sort of a, a written PDF story is they can sort of talk more about sort of like a, just like a very simple use case. Like, you know, we had a, had a, a customer that had been on Shark Tank and she was able to sort of talk about that experience. Like, Hey, we're on Shark Tank and we got a lot of orders and Stuart was able to come in and, and help and things of that sort. And that's the type of thing that I think from a, Putting that in a PDF, just it like it like would it wouldn't come through. It just comes back as you said, you know, to your word, authentic. But I also think it's much more sort of validating and it's much more compelling. It's the type of thing that we we almost try to make it. If you were at a cocktail party and you were talking to this guy and he was like, "Hey, who are you working with?" and he spends a minute or two telling you the story, that's sort of what we wanted to come through. So it's it's really at the end of the day, it's much more sort of a conversational story. As if someone like, okay, yeah, this this guy's my my buddy. He's telling me why I should work for store, what he got out of it, as opposed to reading marketing speak. So you're kind of speaking to the tone of the thing. Well, the tone is, as, as well as I think some of the specifics that you cover, because you're able to, you know, you're not going to cover everything, but you're going to maybe like do a deep dive into, hey, let's talk about this particular use case or this, you know, this interest, almost like this interesting anecdote. This is this interesting way. It's not as necessarily as comprehensive as a multi-page PDF, but it's, you're able to sort of, it's almost like, I think when you're talking to someone about like, Hey, where did you go on vacation? 
And, you know, you can sort of read, you know, the photos guide of like where you should go. But if you talk to your friend and he tells you about this, oh, you know what? One day we did this one really cool thing. And he spends a minute or two telling you about that. And you're like, oh, like that sounds really cool. This, like, I definitely want to go there because that, like that one little anecdote has sort of engaged me and I can sort of picture myself doing that. It's almost the same way. Okay, so I, I hear you. So it's just the the medium lends itself more to storytelling and kind of anecdotes, right? Because it would be super boring for someone on screen to just be listing off a bunch of facts, right? Or you might as well just be reading it. Yeah, yeah. And on a, in a PDF, I think, the, in a sense, the fa- as you said, the facts make sense. You want to be able to list, you know, metric, metric, metric. And in a, in a PDF in a written format, that makes sense. And that's the type of, type of information one might be looking for. But in a, in a video, when you're watching someone for a couple minutes, you don't want them to, like, I'm not sitting here telling you, or oh, our videos get X, Y, Z percent. I'm, I'm sort of giving stories as to why. And to be honest, I think that's something that people generally find, well, we're, we're seeing that people find more interesting. Now, what is your guys' approach to production, like the level of production value? And by that, I mean, like, how produced are these videos? Like, what kind of aesthetic are you going for? So, I mean, in our case, we are, we're working with an outside agency and they, you know, their focus is specifically around doing video case studies. So they handle all the production. Basically, the way we do this is they generally lead the discussion. So far in all the ones we've done, I've been on it, the conversation as well. So the, the agency we work with actually a, a company called Laudable. I'll give a little shout out to them. They're doing a great job for us. They basically lead the conversation and I'm also on, so I can sort of then follow up because obviously I know the business and I know the background on the customer better, certainly better than they will. And then if there's a particular point that I think is, might be relevant or if they, if I know they have a particular story, I might, you know, push a little bit more on, or if there are particular topics we want to cover, I might want to ask a little bit more about them, but they basically, you know, they sort of drive it. And it's set up where we basically record, you know, maybe a 20, 30 minutes of conversation. We can start and stop and, and make it very comfortable for the person doing it. And then the agency, they'll take it all back. And then I'll get a transcript. I'll work with them highlighting, okay, you know, I think, you know, these are the points we want to make sure. And then they do all sort of the post-production, cut it up. The production value is, is very cool, I think, because what they'll do is they'll bring in some of our branding. They'll generally bring in some of the, the customer's branding. So if a company's, you know, say they're a DTC cosmetics company, they'll, you know, put in some product shots and all that. So it's not simply a talking head, you know, going on and on. They're able to sort of throw some things in. If they mention something specific about our software, you know, we might drop a quick screenshot. And so they're, you know, so they're able to really put together a very professional two, three minute video where the person is kind of giving this story. And then there's enough background and enough sort of production value background that it comes out really looking for pretty sharp. See, that's interesting because I think there, there's a fine line between well-produced and overproduced. And it can sometimes be hard to know exactly where that line is. And what I mean by overproduced, I think, is the video that just seems too slick, you know what I mean? That comes across as just a commercial. And in other words, not as authentic as you want it to be. It's like you, the vibe you get from it is like, this is a commercial for this company and I'm going to take it with a huge grain of salt. But on the other hand, if it's way underproduced, it can just be bad, right? Like hard to watch. It seems to me it's always a matter of finding that sweet spot somewhere like right in between where it's not too produced, but it's produced enough so it's a really cool experience to view it. 
but not so overproduced that you that you're like, well, yeah, of course they're going to say that. You know, this is a commercial. Right. Yeah. So, and that's why I think we were you know, we were smart enough to know that you know this is in our area of expertise, and could we have done it ourselves? Probably, but there's a skill set involved in in putting this together and, and doing it right, and you know, as well as it's not time we want to spend. So, we in our case, we thought it made sense to work with a company that specializes in this. But the flip side is, I to your point is, I think they do a great job of not, as you say, sort of overproducing. So it really does come off while. As I mentioned, there is, you know, sort of some appropriate branding in that. At the end of the day is, is you're just watching a person having conversation, particularly today. It's generally people, uh, they're in their house, they're in their office, wherever they are. And I think it does come off as very conversational. I, you know, ideally makes something similar to what we're, what we're doing here. Glad you brought that up, right? It's at the end of the day, it is a natural unscripted conversation. We, you know, we generally don't even provide the questions beforehand. We, I always just tell the prospect, you know, we're going to talk about just generally why you engage with us, how you engage with us, benefits you've seen, you know, and then, you know, it's like, let's say, you know, it's a, there's a, another podcast I like to listen to. It's a free flowing discussion that can go in a lot of different, that can go in a lot of different directions. And sometimes I, you know, to be honest, I don't know what the person's going to say. And like I said, but, you know, we're recording 20, 30 minutes. We're going to chop that down into, you know, two or three minutes. We generally do two, maybe three, you know, we sort of make two or three different ones. But, you know, I think it does, it, 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 we, I think we've done a good job of not having it come off sort of overproduced and having just, you know, much more, you're, you're, you're sitting down and you're watching someone talk about how they work with us for a couple of minutes as if, again, you would meet them at a, you know, a cocktail party. And that's okay. So there's an element of spontaneity there. You're saying like, you literally are not sure what the person might say. And I mean, of course, in post-production, you edit it, right? And sort of, you don't just, you don't just put out there everything they've said, right? <laughs> There, there's often times where, you know, I was, I was doing, we just recorded one the other day and the person was talking about some things. It's like, well, you know, we've had some issues with this, but I know the next version is going to be that much better. It's like, that's great. But I'm not putting that, <laughs> you know, let's not focus on what we're going to do. Let's focus on stuff that we've done, you know, things, things like that. So, but actually, so that brings up something else I wanted to ask you about, and this is less about video specifically, but more about case studies generally that I think the value is clear. Right. Because anyone who's considering working with you wants to see how you've helped other businesses. Right. That just makes common sense. But on the other hand, and I guess I'll just speak from personal experience, like I tend to take those at least with some grain of salt because I'm like, well, of course, the company is picking people who had a good experience. You're only going to include positive stuff. Right. That says good things about your company, even though we all know that no company is perfect, right? And like you have strengths and weaknesses. So on the one hand, of course, you don't want to highlight your weaknesses in a case study. But on the other hand, you know, we were talking about authenticity. Like, is there a way to kind of acknowledge that like, hey, we're not perfect. I mean, I honestly don't know how, how you would do this, but I'm just interested in your thoughts on it. Like, it, would there be a way to have someone talk just totally honestly about both the strengths and the weaknesses to make it like super authentic, or is that just not even worth doing at all? I'd say for what we've done thus far, and again, we're you know we're relatively new in this. We you know we started this over the last few months, and we have a couple out already. I have a number that are in production, a number that are scheduled, and, and all of that. But in general, what we're doing, as I mentioned, is we do you know a few, maybe we might do two or three per customer that might be 
two, two and a half minutes long there. So at this point, I sort of haven't had the, the issue of like, well, I sort of, I want to take like one of those valuable seconds and have them talk about, well, we had this problem and things of that sort. So I generally haven't gone in that direction. I could certainly see that if there were a particular issue where someone said, maybe not necessarily if they had a problem with us, but I think if there, if they, you know, if there were a situation where, hey, we were really struggling with something and they were able to help us or it took us a while to get going, but once, once they understood our business, then we went forward. If, if it was something like that, and I think if it made sense, I certainly would be very open to sort of including something like that. And I think it's, you know, it's generally more a sense of, I sort of get the interview. I sort of look at everything and it's like, okay, hey, how do we, what do we, what do we want to piece together and pull out, pull out the best parts? Yeah. It just, you know, it makes me wonder if there's a place for a, a specific kind of case study, or maybe it's not even exactly a case study, whatever it would, whatever you want to call it, where the point is to showcase how you as a company, and I don't mean literally you guys, but just any company, you know what I mean? Something that you, like a mistake you made even, but then how you learned from it and then improved on it. I could imagine actually doing something where rather than do it company specific, we could almost have, sort of have maybe a longer form that would be topical specific to your point, like problems that people have or sort of, you know, implementation problems or something like that, where you maybe take some snippets like that from a number of different interviews and where people may be talking about, hey, this is the problem we have, or this is whether it was a problem that, you know, we were grappling with or a problem the company was grappling with, but something where you're able to have something that's maybe a little bit longer and you, but you have multiple customers talking about a particular problem. I think that's maybe something that's maybe a little easier to do than you would do in a written form because you written form is always company X, here's their story. Whereas with a video, you could actually put something together where let me take some snippets of multiple customers talking about a particular problem, whether that was, you know, how we solved their problem or just a problem that they had that maybe didn't even have anything to do with us, which is something that we've thought about as well. You know, it makes me think of um, Domino's Pizza. Like several years ago, they had a marketing campaign where the basic gist of it was like, hey, we used to suck at pizza. We totally recognize our pizza was bad, but now it's better. Like we heard you, we went through this process, we made it better, and now here's what we've done. I think it was a pretty cool campaign because it got my attention. And I remember I even was like, oh, I'm not sure I realized Domino's was bad. Maybe I hadn't tried it in a while and I got a Domino's pizza. I'm like, it's actually pretty good now. But you know, like, like there's something to be said for a company that's in a strategic way to be able to say like, hey, we, we improved on a thing. We took customer feedback and focused on this one area where we could improve and we did improve and now we're better. I don't necessarily think that's something we would do, but I could certainly, I, I could certainly see though, I think where it might be very appropriate is for companies that have had say very known public issues. And to your, to your point, like in, in the Bahamas case, you didn't necessarily know that there was a negative view of their, of their pizza, but maybe that, that was sort of out there. But I think say if you're a company where for, for whatever reason that either they've gone through challenges or they've had bad press or what have you. I mean, I, not to call anyone out, but I, maybe I'll just wait <laughs> for a second, but say like Facebook. I mean, everyone knows like they're in the, in the press, they sort of get beaten up all the time. So you could imagine they're doing something around, hey, we've had these issues around privacy. We've been beaten up about it. Here's what we're doing now. Something like that, where they're taking a sort of a known problem and having customers, you know, even having, say, Facebook users talk about, hey, I, yeah, I used to not trust Facebook, but now I see what they've done and I, I trust them more. 
I mean, just maybe that's not the best example, but I, but I can imagine someone who sort of has that issue to use video in a format where they can speak to a known slash pass problem. And, and if you have something internally that isn't kind of already out there, it would be pretty hard probably to make a case like, hey, let's let everyone know about that. But I, I don't know. I just I still think it's in, an interesting notion as a kind of way to like, hey, we're humble. We know we're not perfect. Like we can always improve. And here's an example of how we are always improving. I don't know if any company would actually do that, but it just occurred to me like, I don't know, maybe an interesting thought. Again, for the, for the right for the right company, I think particularly if it's almost like if you're in a hole, I think it's a great it's a great way to help yeah. dig yourself out of that hole. I mentioned up top that you guys have a podcast, which I'm always really excited to talk about that. So tell us about your podcast first. Just what is the podcast called and what's, what's it about? The podcast is called Supply Chain Therapy. It is obviously available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the casts, all, all your, all your favorite podcast platforms. And it's, it's obviously focused in, in the area that we're, we're in supply chain and logistics. And we're doing a lot of conversations with sort of practitioners in the space. We virtually never even mention stored. They could be customers, but for the most part, you know, they're say people in our market, they're influences, they're, they're, we've actually done some kind of, you know, analysts, you know, press people who know about the space and just really talking about it, talking about the types of challenges and issues and kind of the happenings in the logistics supply chain space that are of interest to sort of our prospect universe. I mean, for our company, you know, we are very focused on companies that in a sense are, you know, moving physical product, they're building or creating or importing, you know, importing products. They need to store it in warehouses. They then, they get orders, whether those are direct to consumer where they're then shipping to a customer or they're dealing, selling through retail partners, or they're sell, they're then delivering it to a Target or a Costco or what have you. They're, you know, they're moving product. They're dealing with all those types of issues, as well as obviously the technology to keep around that. So that's sort of the, the universe of companies doing that. That's our audience. So we're interviewing and having discussions. We generally, the, the pods are generally about you know, maybe 30 minutes each with a, sort of a, a single guest, just talking about the issues that are top of mind in that space. You know, obviously over the last year or two, if you didn't know about supply chain and supply chain problems, you certainly do now because it's, you know, that's certainly been a topic sort of front and center if you watch the news or read a newspaper. But what we're doing is I think really kind of diving into the specifics that people in the space care about from people that have a lot of experience and want to know about. Why are you doing this podcast? What's the value for stored? Broadly speaking, I'd say, you know, it's, th it's thought leadership. It's, it's basically demonstrating that, you know, we're experts in the space. We can help you with these types of problems. And as well as, you know, obviously to create general awareness of stored within sort of the, the broader consumer profile of the types of companies that we're going after. We want them to know about who we are and demonstrate, Hey, we, you know, we know what we're talking about. Uh, the, the host, uh, of our podcast, Alice Kent, he's a, he's a very long-term stored employee, very experienced in the space. So, we're demonstrating, obviously, his knowledge, but as a representative of the company, we're demonstrating that Stuart knows a lot about the space. And then at the end of the day, which, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to educate and entertain people so they can, you know, hopefully, if you're in the supply chain space or you're a potential prospect, you're a direct consumer executive, and this, these issues you deal with, 
you're going to, you're going to li listen to the podcast and you're going to learn something. You're going to maybe hear about problems that ideally that, that you faced in the past or hear about, you know, projections or sort of where our guests may think the market's going. What are some of the changes that are going to happen? And, you know, we're going to educate them. And hopefully the idea is that they'll, you know, 30 minutes later, whether they're during their run or their errands or whatever they're doing, they'll hear the podcast. Number one, they're going to come away smarter about the space, about what they do, something maybe that will help them do their own job. And, and certainly, I mean, a secondary, but not a completely unimportant thing, they'll come away with a positive impression of store. They'll, they'll know who we are. They'll come, come away with a positive impression of us. And when they're wanting to look at a provider that can help them with any type of supply chain or logistics services technology, you know, we, you know, we'll be, we'll be top of mind for them. You can do similar things through other channels, right? And you do, I mean, you can do that. You can educate an audience through a blog, white papers, webinars, and so on. What's different about podcasting? What sort of specific value do you get through podcasting that you don't necessarily get through other channels? It's similar to video. It's sort of, you know, it's, you go where the audience is. It's much easier to reach, reach customers, customers, prospects now, you know, via video, via podcast, audio and visual. That's what people are doing. People are not, you know, it's, it's harder to get someone to sit down and download uh, an ebook or a white paper and spend X amount of time focused on, I'm going to, I'm going to read this ebook and I'm going to educate myself on cloud supply chain. Cloud supply chain is sort of the category that we're creating, sort of the integration of physical logistics services with the technology. We do, you know, do we do things of that type? We certainly, we still do. We still, we're still creating eBooks and white papers and, you know, trying to take an interesting slant on it. But what we, where we're really putting a lot of time is where audiences are, are today, how do they want to consume media? And they're consuming video, they're consuming audio. It would be foolish of us not to go where our audience is. Now, we talked a little bit before about the way that video can convey authenticity. What about how that works in podcasting? I mean, I think in some ways it's similar, but is there anything specifically about podcasting that's authentic in a different way, maybe? I, I would even maybe argue it's perhaps even more more authentic because as we talked about in the vi in video, like as I said, we, you know, we record a 20, 30 minute conversation and I'm to, to the point you made before, you know, I'm chopping it down to a couple minutes and I'm pulling out all the good stuff. With a podcast, you're recording a 30 minute interview and you're basically hearing that 30 minute interview. I mean, obviously there might be a few, you know, clips here and there, but I think, it, I think a podcast comes off much more authentic because you really feel like you're, you know, you're, you're listening in and you're hearing a conversation. I know, you know, in the podcasts I listen to, you know, not necessarily logistics ones, but, but other types of podcasts that I listen to, you feel like you're just hearing a couple folks talking as if you were, you know, kind of eavesdropping on their conversation. And that, to me, I think a podcast c comes off as tremendously authentic. I think a, a, an audio podcast versus a video is much more conducive to multitasking, which is obviously where the world is these days, is I can, whether I go for my run later or I'm do, doing errands or I'm in the car or what have you, it's very easy to sort of throw a podcast on and do something else. Whereas with a video, it's harder, as you said, you can't do a 30 minute video because that requires someone sitting down and watching for 30 minutes and not everybody has or will choose to spend 30 minutes dedicated to consuming a piece of media that way, unless it's, you know, something on Netflix that they're going to watch. <laughs> Even then, I think a lot of people are multitasking doing that. 
this kind of video we're talking about lends itself to shorter form content typically and podcast lends itself more to the deep dive what's something that we do a lot of is whether it's a clip from a you know a, a 20 second clip from a 30 minute podcast or a 20 second clip from a two or three minute video they also lend themselves a lot to posting on social media. And we do a lot on that. So for example, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, LinkedIn is, is from a, from a B2B perspective, certainly a, a big channel for us. And we're able to, to sort of take a lot of the content and take, you know, small snippets and excerpts of it and post it on LinkedIn and say, Hey, here's, you know, here's a cool little, you know, 30 second drop from, you know, this conversation we had with this industry leader or from, you know, a, 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 a you know, big supply chain guy that, you, you even you know even if you don't obviously the goal is we want you to say hey this is cool and listen to the thirty minute podcast but even if you don't do that we certainly feel that there's value particularly you know over time as you know if you're seeing this guy and this guy, this this woman and who, you know whoever we're getting to even if you even if you're only sort of consuming thirty seconds of our podcast a week that you know that there, there, I think I think there's upside in that because people say hey. This, you know, Stuart is, is having some pretty cool people. They seem to know what they're talking about. They look like they're a player in the space as so someone I should probably be paying attention to. And I think that's a good point, too, that a podcast should be part of a marketing lineup, right? It's, it's not going to be the only thing, right? You want to be multi-channel and everything complements everything else. Whether it's the podcast or the, the video case studies or, you know, success stories, as we call them, they're, they're part of obviously our overall, our overarching thing. And, like I said, they're not just a single, we have it, put it out there and done. It becomes part of, you know, other campaigns and other, you know, sort of broader marketing, you know, initiatives that we're doing. So what would be your advice to a company that, or to a marketing team that's thinking about starting a podcast, but they're not sure about it? What would be your advice? And number one is, I think, sort of make sure you have something to say. And I, I sort of like wouldn't I wouldn't jump in just to jump in. So that would be n number one. Number two is I I think particularly with a podcast is given now that there's tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of podcasts that are out there. It's it's something that I don't think you're gonna see, you're not gonna see success instantly. So it can't be I'm gonna drop a yeah you know, we're gonna drop a couple podcasts and see how it goes. It has to be something that I think if you're gonna do you know you sort of need to be all in. Like we're gonna commit, we're gonna do this. On a regular schedule, whether it's, you know, you know, we do ours, you know, every two weeks, you know, we made sure when we started, we, you know, we had a couple, kind of couple in the bank where we, so we could release, release a few and, and go forward. I think it's also something that you want to work with people that know what they're doing. I mean, we work with a company. Obviously, I think this is something that obviously that you guys are, are extraordinarily well, well versed in everything from the recording quality to the production value to sort of posting posting the podcast, all the appropriate channels, dealing with all the appropriate sort of promotional aspect. I mean, we do a lot in creating, you know, social media snippets and ad campaign. And then obviously if you're going to do paid promotion around that, you know, there's, it's, it's, a, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. And if you're going to do it, like I said, I think you, A, you need to be all in and B, I think it really behooves you. I mean, unless you're a giant company and you have a whole staff, to really work with people because like anything, it's a, it's a skill set like any other marketing function. And, you know, if you, you're doing a lot in paid search, you may work with a paid search, you know, paid search agency. You may work with an SEO agency. To me, working with a podcast agency is the exact same thing. It's like something that, you know, sort of don't, don't, don't try this at home.
I think I, I'm a little biased, but yeah, sure, I agree. And I think it, it's like a lot of things, you know, it's the, the bar to entry is really low because anyone can buy a mic and you can start recording and, you know, kind of put stuff up there. It's not, it's not rocket science, you know, as they say, but, but to keep it going and to, to do it at a high level, I, you know, I think like really like, like most channels, it's, you find, oh, it, okay, it's, it's more complex. I think it's very easy as well to sort of do it for a month or two and go, yeah, we're not really getting much and, and bailing on it. So I think it's something that maybe another, maybe last point on, on that is to make sure that you have sort of the buy-in internally, like make sure the executive team is behind it and that they're going to, you know, that they're going to support it and that they're not going to come back to you and say, well, wait, you only have a couple hundred listeners after, you know, three episodes over six weeks. Like, let's, like, why are we spending money on this? You want to make sure that there's, you know, executive sort of sponsorship, that there's budget behind it and that you're going to be able to do this because it may, you know, it's going to take, it's take time. Like we, like we started ours a few months back, but I think we probably have, we may be eight, 10, 12 episodes in and you see it just, you know, I mean, the audience is growing, but like, it did, you know, we didn't have a big audience on episode two. It takes, it takes a while and we're already, you know, and as well, you have to plan like, who are you going to have on this? Are you going to have, you know, your own folks? You know, what also you have to think, what does your network look like? You know, we, we're a pretty big company. So we, you know, between people at our company, our customers, investors, et cetera, we have a pretty big network, obviously, with the company we're working with and reaching out to people in our network, but also reaching out to people beyond that. It, you know, that takes a lot of time and effort. And you have to really make sure, again, you're, you're in for the long haul because there are some particularly when you want to get sort of the, the bigger people, you're not going to get them on a podcast episode three. They, they you know, they, if, if you're, you're going after someone big, they want to see you've been out for a year. You have, you know, you just 20 episodes or, you know, what, what have you. So it's, again, it's, to me, it's really something it's, it's probably almost more than anything. It real, to me, it's really, it's a, it's a long-term play and, you know, we may not see a lot of value for this for another year or two. I mean, we're seeing value now, but I think, you know, we, I, my sense is, the value will be much more substantive a year or two down the road as we continue doing this. Well, kudos to you guys for sticking with it and, and, and seeing that because you're 100% right. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm just going to wrap up a little bit and say thank you so much for your time. What a great discussion. Thanks for sharing all those insights. Just lastly, folks who want to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Yeah. You know, the easiest way is probably on, on LinkedIn, you know, David Markowitz, I'm easily found on LinkedIn or, you know, at, via stored, you know, first name, not last name at stored where you can pretty much reach all of us there. Okay. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.